Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, the podcast where we're looking at the digital revolution and among the things impacted by the dividend. <laughs> okay, try that again. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, the podcast that is digging into the digital revolution and among the uh, many, many things that has been impacted so much by the digital revolution has been carbon-based life forms, us people uh, in a variety of ways, one of which is now this whole, uh, apparently the winds of change are now saying everybody's going to go back to the office in 2023. So we're going to look at that uh, subject a little bit today and look at it from different points of view with um, our wonderful guest, Christian Anschutz who's one of our monthly digital all-stars. Christian has been a CIO, a CDO. He's an entrepreneur. He is a dreamer and adventurer, a former active member of the United States Marine Corps, and just a wonderful all-around guy. Christian, good to see you. Well, it's great to be here and always enjoy our conversations here at Cloud Wars Live. Christian, you would you agree you're a wonderful all-around guy? Would I agree? Well, I, I, I accept that uh, data point, and I, I, I do believe that any data point uh, pointing in the right direction is a trend, so I think there might be a trend there that uh, I am a wonderful guy. Uh, uh, there are others that might not agree, you know, say it so nicely, though, so I mean, maybe the, the results are mixed overall, but we'll go with your data point and make it a trend. I like that. I like that. Okay, we've got a trend going already. Christian, if, if it is true that there seems to be uh, at least uh, some intention on the part of some folks to push this trend about back to the office to become a big thing in 2023. I'm wondering what you think about it. Do you think that makes sense? It's such an interesting topic, and it is something that companies are wrestling with. I mean, oh, you know, there's the huge, uh, the great examples of like, say, the Teslas and the Elon Musks. But there's the less visible ones that are very, very prevalent, which is saying, hey, you know, the new year's coming. We're kind of kicked the COVID uh, reasons for staying at home. And by the way, you know, uh, let's put it this way, hell or high water, everybody's going to be back in the office. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how um, people react to that. Uh, you know, we talked about in the last uh, session that, you know, companies are almost waiting. They're almost eager in some cases. And again, this is, there's been, a it, there's empirical data to support the fact that companies are like, God, we can't wait to get those workers back under our thumb, right? And tell them they're going to be back in the office. And, oh, it's complicated. It's complicated, isn't it? So uh, let's back up a little bit. Uh, first and foremost, this whole thing, everybody's working remote. One of the biggest fallacies of all time, right? Uh -huh. So what percentage of the of our population here, at least in the United States, because this is primarily a U.S. market, what percentage of our population was even eligible to work remote? Uh, you know, I, someone here can fact check this, but the number is something like 30%. Really? So we're already yeah. talking about a minority of the workforce with <clears throat> everybody else already being in the office, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, so that aside, it, it, we also have to consider that some jobs are just made to be remote. Right. I'm not just talking about this wonderful job that apparently you and I have, um, where if someone were calling me back to the office, I, you know, I don't care if it was the reason I would I would I would hesitate. But the, the, the fact is, you know, some jobs like sales, 
you know, why do, why do sales leaders, uh, account managers, et cetera, they need to be in the office? Well, I don't know the answer for that necessarily, but I, I do know they often work remote beforehand. So are they subject to the, uh, to these new mandates and is there, is there value in them? But I will say this before we kind of explore this further, uh, I will tell you definitively and you listeners, you decide for yourself whether this is an organization that uh, maybe you're working for, that you're seeing this in one direction or the other. But the organizations that are saying, hey, everybody like Salesforce, Salesforce is saying you need to come back into the office. Are the lead is the leadership there also coming back to the office? Because let me tell you the way I'm seeing it. <laughs> What I'm seeing is everybody's got to come back into the office. Fantastic. By the way, I know we're going to meet soon. Um, where I'm going to, where, where can we meet? Maybe you could come and fly out to my house in Utah. I'm going to be working in my home in Utah uh, for the month of January. Huh? Oh, really? These are complicating factors, folks. So is it just work? Let's, let's get, get it straight. Is it just work from home? Uh, or, or uh, you know, or you have to come to the office unless a you're a senior leader, or you you, you know I, 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 you can see how this unfolds. It's an interesting question. But let me pause. Let me let's just test the fundamentals. Let me ask you a question. In return is it do humans perform better when we're together in uh, in a physical space, or do we perform as well or better when we're in a remote? Uh, environment you know what are your thoughts on that well Kristen, i will um i will uh sort of paraphrase um a guy who i think is a fantastic leader his name's anil bushri who's the co-founder and co-ceo of workday he always has said uh, about his company and his team he said we are at our best when we are in person so whether that's talking about sales calls that you know had been made for a year and a half or two years over zoom now they're in person occasional visits to the office becoming you know 60 70 percent of it um workday from from its inception almost 70 years ago they said you know we put our employees first they've always said that so i think not only because of that policy but the sort of guy neil is there's a lot behind that but i also think right you can sort of set out a big general direction but then you've got to have the confidence and the nimbleness to work around that. Um, so, Christian, I think there are some people in some jobs who absolutely work better when they're around other folks. Now, does that have to be five days a week, eight hours a day? Can it be three uh, three days a week for 10 hours a day or three hours, you know, whatever sort of permutations you want to bring to that? I think companies that try to come in and put the heavy-handed thing, you know, you all will come back. I, I don't think that's going to fly. I think these big mandates, and that's one of the questions that uh, I think these leaders have to really try to figure out. And I would avoid either saying, oh, hey, go ahead, do whatever you want. But uh, on the other hand, I would sure avoid the sweeping, heavy-handed 100% mandates because I think those companies are going to get hammered. Yeah, I think they're going to get hammered uh, too, but not just because of the fact that they're telling people to come to the office. I think they're going to get hammered because they don't have the fundamentals locked up. Because this is what I think is going to happen. I think most firms are going to go, hey, you know, the firms that say, hey, you know, you got to come back to the office, they're going to say that. And then they're going to apply that mandate absent a consistent application. 
meaning it's going to be true for some, but not for others. And certainly the not for others is often going to be that senior leadership, which is immediately going to start to break down the, you know, well, why am I coming in if they're not? And by the way, let's be honest, that's a fair question. That's yes. absolutely a fair yes. question, right? And um, and then I think the other thing is, um, why? Like, why come into the office? Yeah. Is companies, I think, need to be very transparent about the why. Is it because you believe that you're going to be more productive? Can you give examples of how that productivity is going to improve and your experience as being part of this team is going to improve so that you can be more productive and create more value for, you know, the people you care the most about or should care the most about, which is your colleagues and your customers? Yeah. Maybe that in that order depends on the culture, but uh, and I think this is where things are going to get dicey because I think what most companies are going to do is they're going to give a mandate and mandates don't work. We've talked about that before. They never work. I don't care if you're, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, uh, Salesforce. I don't care if you're Benioff. Uh, they don't work. They're not going to work for him uh, and uh, not the way he wants it. Uh, and so there has to be more thought. These companies have to be more circumspect and they have to get the leaders to lead by example and be there as well and that is where i think it breaks down and here's why because if we're really honest right now really honest there's a reason why we want to work remote i would never i had some great jobs and some great positions i never had an office that was also a you know a six thousand square foot barn with all my toys and accoutrement and all that stuff it, it like it's great to work remote. It's great to work in your own home. If it's a small office with a little couch, you're comfortable. It's great and it's compelling and I don't have to commute and I don't have to blah, 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 blah. So you're going to have to offset those with things that also mean something to me, right? Other than you get to keep your job. Yeah. And uh, and I, I think companies are going to struggle with this. But I, as I say that, let's back up and rewind because it sounds like I'm taking the position of being remote. And that's actually not the position I'm taking. Um, the position I'm taking right now is that I think it's um, companies are going to struggle because they're going to try and move from this cultural phenom, right, where nobody wants to come back. Very, so many, so many don't want to come back to the office, right, to off uh, companies saying you have to get back to the office. So. Remember that old saying that uh, management by walking around? Yes. Well, how about that? We train people by having people shadow them. How about the power of the hallway conversation? Mm -hmm. Look, I could go down the list and give you about 10 more uh, sayings that are all profoundly true. And there is real value in us being in close physical proximity with one another. But we have to make it more about that value than just a mandate. We have to make sure it's very clear what people get and why it's important both to them and to the customers. And absent that clarity and transparency and candor about it, you're going to find companies are going to make a decision that are going to alienate a large part of their population that otherwise seem entitled to work remote now. Yeah, Chris, and I like those three uh characteristics you put together there clarity candor and transparency you know i think that's ultimately the heart of it um i'm i'm sorry if i've told you this anecdote before but 30 years ago right i'm doing my math yeah yeah it was the early 90s but i requested at that time to become a, a remote worker and we had a, a young ceo the son of the founders 
and uh, he avoided the subject for a long time. And I finally had sort of chased him down one day and, and brought this up. And he said, uh, I, he said, I'm just against the idea. And I said, could you tell me why? And he said, if I can't see you, how do I know you're not goofing around? And I said, well, blank, you don't see me most of the time anyway. You know, you rarely do. Um, but he said, well, that's different because I know you're in the building. I'm like, okay, if the measure of my worth or value, my contribution to the company is, am I in the building or not? Or can somebody see me? I said, I, I'm not sure that's the, you know, the value gradient we want to be deploying around here. So from, you know, if that's the best a company can do, I think they're going to, uh, they're going to see a, a attrition spike at an alarming rate. But if there's other places, right, maybe it says, can we trade off some, you know, the good qualities of being in the office you mentioned, maybe there's some financial career incentives, job choice, you know, other things that can be put into the mix. But, uh, and perhaps Christian with some of those things, what is, if it's left isolated, could be a mandate, you know, with none of those uh, atmospherics around it could in another way saying, hey, this is our new policy. We're going to be as flexible as we can be. We want your ideas, your input on things. Let's discuss this, talk about it, and we'll we will rationally come to some sort of an agreement about why this position needs to have one day a week, five days a week, you know, eight days a month, you know, whatever it is. But um, I, I I do think this is going to be a in some ways a battleground that leaders are going to have to face, and the the battle will be about talent. Can you keep it? Can you attract it? Can you maintain it? Or are you going to be the ones that just hemorrhages talent because you refuse to dig in and fight the hard fight about how do we set up uh, this sort of culture that's going to take us into this era um, that I, you know mandates just aren't in which mandates just aren't going to work. Well, I think you're right. I think um, it's there's a big implication on talent. Uh, and, and a company's ability to attract it and or retain it. But if I back up to what you were talking about, there's another T word I want to use. Look, if they, what in your example where that guy's like, well, you're different, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't need to see you. But that's, that's let, let's, be, let's be very honest. I trust you. I just don't trust all the other folks. <laughs> that's what that's saying. Okay, so now we're talking about, okay, our default stance is really, I don't really trust the people that work for us. That's the default stance, right? I trust the very few that I know so well that I, I, I know that they'll do a good job, but everybody else I really don't trust. And here's the thing, and this is the logical fallacy that this supports. That is, the logical fallacy is, is that people could be working remote and goofing off. But when they come to the office, they ain't going to goof off because we'll we'll be monitoring that. Uh, hello, folks. Have you ever walked around the halls of corporate America? There's always like 15% of the workforce. You're like, why are you even here? I mean, I've seen you at the water cooler like 15 times. I would go uh, at a place where we had a great gym and I would go work out. And it seemed like no matter when I went to work out, there was always the same group of people there working out. And I'm like, it's weird how my random schedule matches their random schedule. Or maybe, just maybe they were always there. Now, again, it's, this is fallacy. Like, oh, we'll get into the office and we're going to drive productivity. Really? Yeah. You might really want to be 
thoughtful about what kind of productivity gains you expect to get. And then the last thing I would say, so for the companies that are saying, and, and they exist, and folks, some of you work for them, that are saying, hey, you know what, this is our chance to, you know, put this in place. We need to attract our workforce. We have to reduce our workforce. And so there'll be a natural sloughing. And we're going to get rid of some of these people that we don't think we need, except for beware companies. You aren't going to get to pick who leaves right. because of your mandates. <laughs> you ain't going to pick them, right? They're going to self-select. This is why I keep going back to the why, but this is the why and, and engaging and trusting and, you know, all this, you know, this whole idea of people are our greatest asset, uh, but they're so hard to deal with. Let's just spend all our time and process and technology and material items, you know, getting to know people, getting to, you know, interact with them, making them want to be with me to work on this thing that we have a common interest in. That's hard work. Mm, I don't know. I'll tell you what, you all come into the office, you figure it out. I'll be working from my home in Utah while you do. Yeah. Make sure that my brief is really good, by the way, so I can, you know, give it uh, proper laurels when I when it lands on my desk. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Chris. And so we added a fourth to your earlier uh, trio of candor, transparency, and clarity, trust. And uh, boy, that is a great one to pull out there because that, uh, you know, as, as, as you described it, uh, you know, are those other things possible without trust? And it, uh, if you have, if you're able to um, exhibit the sort of behavior that leads to trust, and if you're able to foster over time that sort of a relationship with people where it starts to build up, you got a shot. I would say for companies that either by their action or their inaction about, are we going to, what is our policy about remote, not remote, work from anywhere, work from home? The ones that can't establish some level of trust about that, they are in for a world of pain because all those other things aren't going to matter. And I just, I've never seen, uh, you know, the job market like this where somebody, even as in these uncertain times, companies cutting back on this, and that, I think, you know, mid to high level talented people, they can get jobs where just about wherever the heck they want. And, uh, yeah, I, so it's a, it is a, it is going to be brutal. And Christian, I don't know how much this is floated up like to the board level. Maybe some of the organizations you deal with trying to look at this, you've got your audit committee, your compensation committee, your risk committee. I wonder how many boards have a, you know, talent, talent retention, talent policy type of things, right? Because it's not the old thing of, well, two weeks of vacation or three weeks. And, you know, how many sick days do we give? It, it isn't that at all. It's this issue right now of what sort of a culture do we have? And is it going to allow us to keep these entities that we say are our most important asset? Or are we going to hemorrhage them to the fact that we're just not going to be able to execute anywhere in any way? And uh, I, I, I'm just starting to believe that that is becoming and should be a board level issue. Well, I my look, I I can't speak for uh, but a handful, you know, less than ten, more than five companies uh, where I see their enterprise risk matrices matrices, uh, and uh, talent and this issue of workforce uh, productivity is on every one of them, hundred uh, percent. So I I think it's probably um, uh, recognized. However, folks, if you've ever looked at an enterprise for a large company, their enterprise uh, risk matrix, guess what? 
there's like 98 other items on there. I got 99 problems, folks, and pretty much people are every one of them. Uh, you know, and so does it get any attention? Does it get any meaningful attention? Uh, yeah, I would say that it it does. But again, um, the the fundamentals are called the fundamentals for a reason. Yeah. Look, let's not mess around with the lexicon. Okay. We all know what the word means. If you are going to mandate people to come back uh, and your executive leadership isn't in their face, in their office, highly present, which means the leadership's behavior has got to change. It's not they have to change. Right. Everybody has to change. If that doesn't happen, the very first casualty is trust. Very first casualty. So now I'm coming into the office. You've told me it's absolutely necessary because it's good for our company. It's good for our productivity. It's good for me, but it apparently does not seem to be so good for you. Now I get it. You're a highfalutin executive and you travel all over the world and whatnot. And so you're, you're traveling all the time. Is that what it is? Those, they don't care. They don't care and trust will be violated. And then guess what? It's just another place. I own no loyalty to anything or any person, any institution that I don't trust, yeah. right? Yeah. What do I owe something that I don't trust? Yep. And so now you are have more and more of what we already have in spades, which is a largely disengaged workforce. You think disengagement has gone up because people have gone remote? No, disengagement's gone up for a number of reasons. Maybe that's been a factor in some cases for sure. Yeah, but there's other things. So I, I don't think the organizations are thinking through this and I really, really question whether the typical executive leader has what it takes for them to modify their behaviors in such a way as to create an environment that makes people want to come back into the office from a physical perspective. That actually should be the goal. Instead of a mandate to your workforce, yeah. you should be mandating to your leadership to exhibit the behaviors that will make people want to come to the workforce. But we won't do that. Why? Why won't we do that? It's hard. It's, it's hard. Very hard. It's hard. And, and, and maybe accountability gets blurry or uh -huh. something, right? Except for, except for, is it ever really that hard to uh, judge the accountability for things like that? I mean, if people start, you know, if organizations start attracting people, whose fault is that? Is it the people's? Yeah, and I uh, I guess I didn't give a context for that. It's hard for those people who think, well, yeah, I want everybody else to have to go back, but not me. Uh, it's hard because it'll force me to change my behavior. So yeah, Chris, and that, uh, I think that's it. Don't worry about, you know, the 5,000 people and what they're going to do. But, you know, what is the leadership team and how ready are they to come back to do it? Um, so you have swayed my thinking on this, some of that issue of trust and this excellent point you're making here about how, what do we have to do to make people want to come back and see the value in it and see the joy in it and the opportunity for themselves, their teams, the company, their careers, you know, however you want to put it, that it becomes some, I want to do this. You don't need to put any mandates out there. Just the mandate should be make this a fantastic place to work and for people to come and grow. Have you ever been on a team, Bob, where like, you you felt like your team you were you you were connected with the people you were working with, uh, you felt like you knew them, you trusted them in the sense that you knew that they would apply themselves and their particular skills in a way that you would all advance together towards a common uh, goal, and in the in it, by wrapping all that up, 
you you were on this team working well together in physical proximity for the most part, but not always. Uh, and you actually enjoyed it. Like you might've even loved it. Like you're like, I'm so excited. I want to work on this with these people. I want to be there. I want to show up. Have you ever had that? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that such have... a challenge for people to try and create that? Why is that yeah. such a big deal? Yeah. Uh, well, coming around, uh, and I know you you defer on saying you're no expert on leadership, but I think you always have some pretty wise things to say about it. But ultimately, it's that, right? You know, can you create the environment? I don't mean pushing it from the top down, but set the tone at the top that pervades the entire place, you know, uh, I hear more people saying, we don't tolerate jerks, right? Well, don't just say that, right? <laughs> you can't say yeah. it. And then, well, he's a jerk, but he's a valuable jerk. Or he's a good, you know, so it, it's got to be that. And then beyond that fairly low bar, no jerks. I, I do. I'm surprised, Kristen, sometimes when people get real hopped up about that, like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's probably what we learn in second or third grade. But um, how to go beyond that and make it that fantastic team uh, environment where I want to be a part of it. And the biggest thing I don't want to do, I don't want to let my teammates down. Right. That's that because that expresses the best part of me when I can uh, do the things that they expect, do the things that go beyond that and, and allow me to be a contributing part of this organization that's bigger than any one individual. So there's, there is, uh, you know, you brought up the, uh, uh, you know, the topic of the study of the practice of leadership as opposed to positional leadership. And I would just say, um, look, folks, uh, you know, the, 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 the reason why leadership is so hard, like in a sentence is because every day, every day as a leader, your job is to show up for everybody but yourself. Mm -hmm. That's extraordinarily hard because we are humans. We're naturally self-centered, Right. So if you, if you are not prepared to very literally show up for everyone else, then you might want to think twice about bringing the workforce back into the office until you are, because you're just going to actually expose yourself very candidly. Look, again, you can be you can do a full fledged uh, half assery at home or remote, or you can do it half assery in the office, but you will never know either way when you're not there in the office. Now, will you? So you better be that leader that shows up for your people every single day or just maintain the status quo. Now, candidly, yeah. candidly, I think there's a real opportunity here for organizations. But it, again, uh, uh, I won't repeat myself. It is about not mandating anything, but it's shifting the, the behaviors such that you are creating an environment where people want to show up into the office. Christian, fantastic. There, uh, that that is as good a, a set of counsel as I have heard about this. And we are going to try to spread the word far and wide on that. Great, great stuff, Christian. Um, final thought before we we head out? Uh, no, nothing at all. Uh, no, no other profound words of wisdom as if I had any at all. But uh, as as always, it is a pleasure to be here on Cloud Wars Live. And it is always a pleasure to talk to my good friend, Mr. Bob Evans. Well, Christian, thanks a million. Certainly the same here. We're uh, moving in toward the Christmas and holiday season. Want to wish the best to you and yours for a fantastic holiday time. And to all of you folks out there, 
the same from Christian, from me, from everybody involved at Cloud Wars, at Acceleration Economy. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, what we've been working on here. And thank you so much for your time and attention. We wish you the very best, fantastic holiday season. And if you get that mandate about you got to come into the office, check out Christian Anschutz's thinking on this. It'll help a lot. So long. <laughs>